1: Think of this, my friends, the next time we do an ups and downs for an AEW show which will be on Saturday for Rampage, CM Punk may be back in wrestling. I know there's that one guy that goes, I don't care that CM Punk is coming back, good for you, have a cookie. But me and a lot of other people are super pumped because this has just been like literally years in the making. I tell you this, I cannot wait. But before we get to Rampage, we have to go through the latest episode of AEW Dynamite, which is on full-on mode in building to All Out, which also sounds like it's going to be a good show. So if you just want to take a ball of momentum and throw it into AEW's face, well, you don't need to, because <laughs> they've already got it. Hello, my name is Simon, i with What cultural wrestling, and let's up those downs for the latest AEW Dynamite. get going too i just want to shout you out as always because this sign appeared on aew dynamite and you asked for me to give you an up and i give you an up and as always i tell you thank you so much from the bottom of my heart you don't know how much this means to me it is simply the best well what did i say recently i swear that the opening of every single aew dynamite is just geared towards having fun because it's every damn week meaning now fun stands for finally uniting nincompoops nope that's terrible i really regret that I'm sorry. But we kicked things off with John Moxley and Eddie Kingston making their way to the ring, but they barely got anywhere because they were attacked by 2.0 and they were attacked by Danny Garcia. And I was a little bit like, guys, what are you doing? You are making enemies all over the place. They also had a pipe because they're nuts and they got on the microphone and went, Sting and Darby Allen, you better get your asses out here right now. And this was a terrible idea. Because you just G'd them and the fans up something fierce. And of course, the crowd went crazy because it is Stig and Darby Allen, but fair play to Matt Lee and Jeff Parker because they were not messing around. As given this was a tornado tag match, they fought their way like into the rafters and they gave Darby Allen their finishing move into a concrete wall. I just thought to myself, Darby Allen. You are one crazy, crazy cat. Eddie Kingston was soon back to get rid of Danny Garcia, but let's not pretend otherwise. This whole thing was about Sting. Wrestling on TNT for the first time in 20 years, and I don't even care, man. If you want to be a negative Nancy or you want to be a naysayer, you go crazy. I thought this was tremendous. I thought this was brilliant. And I love Sting, and I will love him until the day I die. Because aside from running wild early on with a couple of Stinger splashes, he soon found himself getting beaten up in the corner and then thrust into the power Bomb position. And then 2.0 carried him towards a table where they power bombed him through it. And I was like, I cannot believe what I'm seeing. Say what everybody says. Sting is 62 years old. And do you know what AEW decided to do after this as well? They let Sting pop back up as it was nothing. And I don't care about your criticisms, I don't care that he no-sold this. This was the single greatest moment of my entire life. Now that's hyperbole up to two 9 but I don't give a hoot. I was just having so much. But I was then popping like a balloon when Darby Allen drop kicked these two guys into Sting and he gave them a double scorpion death drop and he followed it up with a double scorpion death lock. And nobody else in the entire wrestling world could get away with a finish like this right now. But again, it's Sting. He can do whatever he wants. 2.0 tapped out. And I'm just giving this a round of applause. What does that even mean? I don't know. But if I tune into a television program to be entertained, my word, I was entertained. We then also found out that on AEW Dark, Sammy Guevara had proposed to his girlfriend and she had said yes. So I was like, man, the amount of warm and fuzziness going on in my tum time right now is too much. I was just feeling lovely. We then cut to Tully Blanchard and Sean Spears, who I think said in reference to all of this, hey Sam, if your fiancé wants to spend one night with the pinnacle, well, that would be just great. And I was like, sheesh, that is a little bit much. It was then right into this match, and man, people in AEW need to start being more careful when it comes to their entrance, because for the second time of the night, as Sammy Guevara was making his way to the ring, Sean Spears attacked him. But Sam is a smart tamale and of course riding high after his proposal. that so he did this crazy flip dive off the stage because why wouldn't you? And if it wasn't for Tully Blanchard and if it wasn't for a damn pile driver, this may have been over pretty quick. Tully and Sean were also basically trying to hit spike pile drivers all over the place. But when the referee saw this, they went to Tully and they said, I'm sorry, you now have to go to the back. We're not going to take any of your shenanigans. And I kind of feel like AEW has been doing this more recently, which is really good because it means the officials have more authority and tells you you can't just do whatever you want, there'll be consequences. Or in short, just stop being a massive dick. And Sean did use this to his advantage to start with, but then he made the cardinal sieve but once again going after Sammy's new fiance, and that just fired him up, and he booted Spears right in the head with an insigori. We were then just doing crazy things off the top rope as we saw a cutter Annecy and somehow they were able to kick out of both of those and that happened again when Guevara hit the 630. Now look I'm gonna be a massive resting nerd here and go when you hit a 630 nobody should kick out but my word did that make me make a lot of noise I just didn't think it was gonna happen. It meant Sammy eventually hit the GTH instead to get the victory and this was just entertaining madness and you can just see we're planting the seeds here we have big plans for Sammy Guevara. Um, had a really good promo battle between Christian Cage and Don Callis as well, because Don was all like, oh, hey, Christian, brand new Impact World Champion. Don't forget that like 25, 30 years ago, it was me that gave you your big break. So maybe you want to put some respect on my name. And Christian looked at him and went, okay, you carny piece of shit. I don't know why that line is so good. Some things you just can't expect." Cage also said that he now knows he's in Kenny Omega's head and come all out, he's going to take away his most prized possession, the AEW World title. And why I don't think that's going to happen, I really do think they're going to have a good match and far better than still... People are expecting. A W then went smart on our ass, because they had a small video for Dante Martin highlighting what he did last week, including allowing Dante to say, man, I took Kenny Omega, who once again is the AWO champion, to his limit. So in around about, what, 45 seconds to a minute, you go, well, man, they're replaying all of this. He's probably on his way to something big as well. I should keep an eye on this guy. Good stuff. Dan Lambert was then finally back on Dynamite, and I never thought I would say these words, but honestly, he has some of the best delivery in the game. He was also flanked by Junior Dos Santos and Andre Arlovski, so he wasn't playing around. Once again, he got on the mic and he was like, ah, is a pile of crap. It's not the second coming, and the only reason every single one of you fans like it is because you've got nothing else in your lives. <laughs> he then spat on them, which he did not, because as we said time and time again, that would be disgusting. Somebody was always going to interrupt, and once again, it was Lance Archer, who I suppose was going to finish the job, when from nowhere, he got jumped by Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky. And I kid you not, because of my massive loser, before Dynamite, I've been saying to myself, where is Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky? I'd like to see them back on TV. And now all my dreams have come true. They kicked Archers ass for a bit as well. So now I have a bunch of questions I need answering. Are we going to get some kind of big tag team match when Lance Archer's is going to have to get himself some tag team partners? Are the MMA guys going to get involved? Did Dan Lambert know about this? Simple yet effective. And then, well, I think Chris Jericho may have borrowed my gimmick. I mean, in reality, he didn't, but sometimes it's fun to pretend because also it makes me feel like I have purpose on this crazy rollercoaster chord life. Because yes, the ups and downs shtick was here long before I entered this planet and it will still be around long after I've left it. That was a little bit too much. Anyways, the point is, as Jericho was doing his big hype job before the main event, as he is going to take on MJF in the fifth labor of Jericho, he said, Jericho up, my Jerkoff friend down. And who the hell am I to argue with a champion? So at the request of one Christopher Jericho, I give him an up, there you go, and I give his Jerkoff friend a down. That's the easiest ups and downs I've ever given. I tell you, I got a kick out of this even though I made a lot of it up in my own head. The Young Bucks then defended their tag team titles against the Jurassic Express. I mean, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to sit here and go move by move by move? You just need to go and watch this. It was absolutely terrific. Don Callis was on commentary too and he had some of the lines of the year here. And in the early going, Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy were just running wild and doing springboards and dives. And it was just an absolute treat to watch. And you knew the Young Bucks were going to cut them off eventually. But once again, I sat there and I said out loud, even though there was nobody around, I am just having a good time. And I know I'm very, very strange, but what are you going to do? The got back into this using drop kicks and dives, which does sound a little bit like that Guy Fieri show. But all of this was designed for Jungle Boy to get beaten up and then get the hot tag to Lord Josaurus. And honestly, he went crazy here. It was like his hand was actually on fire, which again is just a dumb thing to say. Of course it wasn't. He was be dead. After we had thrown Matt and Nick Jackson around the ring for a little while too, I swear on the outside, Brandon Cutler was trying to distract him with a flare because of course he is a dinosaur and that ties into Jurassic Park. that's the best thing that's ever happened in my stupid, stupid life. But then it just became the ultimate game of wrestling tennis. I mean, it was back and forth, it was back and forth, it was back and forth, it was back and forth. By the end of it, I had to go lay down. I was exhausted and what had I done? Nothing. And there was just a bunch of near falls from both teams, especially when the Young Bucks hit the Indy Taker where they slammed Jungle Boy's head into the mat and then somehow landed on Luchasaurus simultaneously. But when they kicked out a 2.999, the smallest part of me went, are they actually going to change the tag team titles? Because this is how much I buy it. Kenny Omega was then out here and he thwomped Marco Stump with the chair. Which also meant that Christian Cage was out here to chase off Kenny Omega for being an absolute dick. Mm. And that led to Jungle Boy hitting this brain buster in the ring. Which again was just the nearest of near falls. And I tell you I was jumping at the bit like a fish. Matt was then caught in the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment surprise roll up. But Nick kicked him out of that. Which allowed the champs to hit the BTE trigger. They did get the victory. And honestly, if you are only going to watch a couple of matches this week, you just need to check this out. The Jurassic Express are such a good team, and I'm sorry, I don't even care what you're going on about. Don't come in my house and disagree. I really do think the Young Bucks are one of the best tag teams ever. We had a proper heel beatdown after this too, as the Elite took out everyone, including Kenny Omega, giving the one-wing angel to Christian Cage. And just as a side note... Do you know what T-shirt Kenny Omega was wearing? It said Chick Magnet on it or CM. You can figure the rest out for yourself. Quality sleep is essential.
0: That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together.
2: Quick
1: segment with Britt Baker Revel and their new recruit Jamie Hayter next just to let you know that she is part of the crew. She is their enforcer and she's going to start a feud with Red Velvet whereas Britt Baker is going to go after Chris Statlander. Good. We also had another video after this that basically told us Matt Hardy is now going after Orange Cassidy and this is also good. If Orange Cassidy beats Matt Hardy that's really good for Orange Cassidy and we are trying to make stars. So do it. It was then time to find out what the deal was going to be between Paul White and QT Marshall. Now, I do want to say making Tony Schiavone the center of this was a really good idea because we all love Tony Schiavone and we want him to be protected. And while we are going to get Paul White versus QT Marshall all out, which I'm also in favor of, this was okay, but you wouldn't really call it dynamite. Man, somebody needs to kick me off a cliff. Tony and Paul just had this nice big loving at the start, which you want to do to re-establish that relationship. When QT Marshall came out and said, listen, Paul, nobody wants to see you do much of anything because you were brought in as a commentator. And the reason Tony Khan didn't hire you as a wrestler is because look at these x-rays I found. You are an absolute mess and you got a bunch of metal in your hip. This set the giant off as it would do. He was basically being run down here when he said, well, guess what? I spoke to Tony Khan." He has signed the match. We are going to do it at the pay per view. And QT Marshall basically pulled this face as if he'd seen some kind of a ghost. Now, look, when we do get to this pay per view, do I just want to see the former Big Show throw these guys around? Absolutely, I do. But in terms of a setup, I wouldn't call this good and I wouldn't call it bad. I would say it was just there and maybe didn't really click. I shouldn't do it in the way that they had hoped. So yes, we just move on to whatever is next. Jade Cargill and Mark Sterling with then back in that weird little room that they do all their promos from. And they now have their attentions focused on Kira Hogan, who has been doing very well on AEW Dark and AEW Elevation. They are now going to have a match at AEW Rampage. And I kind of hope this ends with Kira Hogan joining Jade Cargill. I think they would be a pretty good tag team. Tony Khan then lost his damn mind via tony shivani because tony shivani was backstage with the elite who are all like man we're the best nobody can beat us i mean they weren't singing that song but they absolutely should when tony shivani said look you guys need to show up you need to calm down because i've just talked to mr khan and he has said we are gonna have a tag team eliminated tournament and whoever wins that is going to face you matt and nick jackson at all out in a flipping steel cage <laughs> yep that will do it it could turn out to be the best thing on the entire show and the way that don Callis especially sold this was genuinely funny. You thought they would have been told, and if you do lose, you're going to be shot in the face. They were so, so worried. But that's how it should be. Who wants to be put in this giant box made out of metal? We also followed it up with all the Team Taz-Brian Cage stuff. And to be honest with you, AEW was trying to pack too much into this episode. And it was a bit like segment, 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 segment. But Taz was not the ring. He was like, hey, man, everybody say hello to Ricky Starks. Ricky Starks came out. They then told Brian Cage to come to the ring. We popped to the big screen where Will Hobbs was stood over Brian Cage. So I guess he beat him up. Or maybe drugged him. I don't know. I mean, chloroform has been used before. Brian and Hobbs then started fighting. And Taz was all like, oh, no, the color orange. And he did run to the back. And while this did feel a little bit speedy, we still have time to build to Ricky Starks versus Brian Cage which I assume we are going to do at the pay-per-view. We then had this big wink and a nod that maybe it is going to be Penta and Phoenix who are going to win this tag team eliminated tournament. Because we were in the back here as well as Pac, and they said they're going to be in the thing. And Pac was like, oh, all out. I'm going to take on Andrade. I'm a bastard and I'm going to stab you. Mr. Tranquilo and Chavo soon arrived. And they were like, man, if you want to take us on Pac, you have to answer our list of demands. And they literally had a book of a list of demands and it looked like it was around about 8,000 pages long. They then turned to Penta and Phoenix and said, oh, you may be entering the tag team tournament, but you'll never be the champions if you still hang around with this guy. And as I said last week, this build is still really, really weird. Now, of course, when it comes to the matches themselves, they're going to be absolute fire because all of these guys are so damn talented. But yeah, as for the build, I have struggled to buy it emotionally. Because I just don't get it. And I know I am stupid. I'm aware well of this. But it's getting it down. Thunder Rosa was then back on Dynamite. And this is always a treat. Because she's just so over with the fans. She was taken on Penelope Ford here. And I thought it was fine. Uh, both wrestlers were able to get their stuff in. Which is always appreciated. Because it benefits you on the other side. And sure look yes. Was there a little bit of communication here and there? Yes there was. But they are just human beings. And they are allowed to make mistakes. What's more important is that they did get back on their feet and they finished with a flurry. When it comes to the whole journey destination thing, sometimes it's what you do at the
2: end that counts.
1: They were also transitioning and reversing submissions like they were playing WWE 2K20 and just hammering the R2 button. And that's kind of how it finished as well. Because Ford a few times went for the Indian Deathlock that looked like it was gonna work, but Thunder Rosa throughout the thing was like, I figured out what you are gonna do. She slipped out. She applied the sleeper, which was doubly cool because the commentators had spent the whole time going, oh my gosh, she's done MMA as well which meant Penelope Ford had to tap out, easily done. And yes, again, this won't be the best thing you see this week, but it was more than okay, and it starts to build for Thunder Rosa to reclimb the ladder and eventually take on Britt Baker. And given what they did before, who the hell doesn't want that? Father and Son seemed to be the flavor of the year in 2021 as well, because then we were talking to Brock and Arn Anderson. Obviously, Arn was like, man, that Malachi Black, he ruined my life. He kicked me in the head, and now who knows where Cody Rhodes is? When his boy Brock was like, that's why I'm going to fight Malachi Black next week, Dad, whether you like it or not. And the reason I like this segment so much is that we sold as if Malachi Black is a serial killer. And if you get in the ring with him, he gonna kill you. So Daddy was super worried, as he should be. And straight away, in around about 35 seconds, I was massively intrigued. So it just goes to show. There's also a ton of these little segments on Dynamite 2. So as I've already said, it was a little bit too much for the senses. Because then we were talking to Miro, who was challenged Eddie Kingston to a match. And my word, that's going to be absolutely insane. Before John Moxley wrapped this up. And honestly, John Moxley, somebody give him an award. I don't have an award, so instead I'm giving him up. And you need to go and watch this, because honestly, the amount of ground he covered. He was super pissed off at the like the Christian Cage and Hangman Adam Page for dropping the ball and not doing what they were meant to do. Plus, he kind of also took shots at CM Punk and Daniel Bryan. Again, if that makes no sense to you, he didn't say their names, but I repeat, go and watch. I mean, essentially, he called out the entire locker room here, as he does go back to this kind of, I'm not a good guy, I'm not a bad guy character, but it is just so good. I believe every single word that comes out of his mouth and now I can't wait to see what he's gonna do John Moxley man the wrestler of the entire millennium what no and then it all came together because AEW had planted a seed and they made sure the fans bought it hook line and sinker because it was time for Christopher Jericho versus Maxwell Jacob Friedman and of course Chris Jericho wasn't allowed to come out to his Judas music so what did the fans do They just sang the entire thing. And this was one of those wrestling moments where you just watch it and think, man, this wouldn't happen in any other form of sport or entertainment. Isn't it just wonderful? Isn't it just lovely? And the answer is yes. So it was a proper highlight and thank you to everybody that did get involved. And also Chris Jericho is just living his best life right now. I mean, imagine this sentence applying to you. You are a superstar in professional wrestling who just came out and made their entrance as an entire arena sang a rock song that you wrote. I mean, that doesn't even make any sense. Kudos to that guy. This, of course, is also the end of the Labour of Jericho storyline, which I think has been done tremendously. And you know that AEW has done something, right? Because I sat there and I scratched my bald head. and I thought to myself, I don't know who actually is going to win here. I mean, it could be Chris Jericho. It could be MJF. So honestly, when you take the last five weeks and you wrap it up in a ball, there is no two ways about it. It doesn't just get an up. It gets the golden up. It also just had so much to it. Because it all did tie into the labors of Jericho, one, we were able to talk about the fact that Chris Jericho still has an injured arm, which MGF kept going after like an open wound. But also, two, Maxwell hasn't fought in about 72 years, whereas Chris Jericho has had to go through literal labors. So, of course, here he was a little bit spent and he was a little bit worn out. My word, the directions we could take it. So it was just good old-fashioned storytelling. And talking about old-fashioned, once again, Chris Jericho did the double axe handle off the top rope. We've talked about that before and how it makes me feel happy deep down in my tipsy toes. But also, he's now gone to doing the 10 punches where all the fans go one, two, three. And he followed that up with a Hurricane Rana from the top rope. And we absolutely need to send, I don't know, a fruit basket or something his way. He is almost 50. Maybe he is 50 now. And he's doing Hurricane Ranas off the top rope. That is not normal. It was the finishing sequence though, which was absolutely awesome. Because obviously, Maxwell Jacob Freeman had cheated the entire time, including whacking Chris Jericho right in the balls. But when he went to use the diamond ring, the referee saw it and stopped him. But given that she was now distracted, Jericho got Floyd the baseball bat, and he twonked Maxwell right on the head. He was then going to follow up using the Judas effect, but of course the Judas effect is bad. He was stunned, he didn't know what to do. MGF then hit him with his own Judas effect, and he went back to the Salt of the Earth arm breaker that he had probably used around about 18 times. Jericho tried to escape a few times, but he wasn't able to, which meant, yes, the pain on his already wounded limb became too much, and he put his hand in the air, and if you can believe it... He tapped out. So that is it. No more nonsense about AEW doesn't make new stars. MJF just beat Chris Jericho essentially clean in the middle of the ring. And I was just like, ooh, Dalali, I cannot believe what I've just seen. This was flipping tremendous. He also gives MJF free reign now to be an absolute prick. Because not only does he basically never lose, but he just knocked off Chris Jericho, one of the biggest wrestling stars ever. So there's no way this feud is done, but holy shit my friends, MJF is just on another level right now through the eyes of kayfabe. Just top stuff all round. Which brought us to the end of another AEW Dynamite and I just think they are on fire right now because I am so dialed in. I wanna see what all these stories are gonna go. I wanna see how the characters are gonna develop. I wanna see what they're gonna do with AEW Rampage. We have CM Punk. I could write you a massive list and it would go on forever, and most of them would be excellent, 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 excellent. I know you don't agree, but you know what? You don't have to. That's called life, and overall, it's getting it up.
2: Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quinns is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more.